Hi. 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 How are you? Good. What a treat. <laughs> An Easter treat. An Easter treat. I feel like I should have put a bonnet on for you. Or um, some bunny ears. That would make me feel more like I was at the Playboy Mansion and that you are expecting something that I'm not prepared to give. Why aren't you prepared to give Playboy Mansion-esque uh, gifts? Because unless you were wearing a smoking jacket and had the kind of money that Hugh Hefner had, <laughs> I know my worth. That's amazing. I know my value. What a, this, is a, this is a lovely treat indeed. It feels like it's been weeks. That's because it has. It has, hasn't it? Shall we let the listeners into the uh, magic of podcasting? Let's do that. Let, I was going to say rear entry. Can you believe that? Okay, like I was thinking behind backstage yeah, passes, yeah, yeah. behind the yeah, scenes. I was thinking behind the velvet rope. Could or, you cut that, um, please? Could you? I depend. You say I don't know. <laughs> I can't make any kinds of promises. It depends what amuses me. This is a podcast in which two friends have serious conversations about silly things and silly conversations about serious things. I'm Simon Ellis. And I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to Midlifing. Um, what's been going on? Oh, are you sure you want the answer to that question? Oh, should we skip that? No, I'm telling you now, I'm peeling wet rot wood treatment off my fingers as we speak. Uh, sorry, because Ret, what, wet? wet wet rot wood treatment. It's a lot of uh, a lot of enunciation required with that. Oh, so it's wood that's been um, that's is got wet starting rot. to and it's starting to rot. Yeah, and there's a treatment for it. There is, which indeed. is a waterproofing treatment, I assume. It's kind of like a um, adhesive solventy thing that uh, it sort of oh, it soaks in and solidifies. So it effectively petrifies what has turned into sponge and turns it back into. Well, it doesn't turn it back into wood. It turns it into a compound of wood and something probably something very bad plastic. For the environment. Yeah, something plastic, but something that, given that I've got windows that are about three hundred years old. At this point, they're like the ship of Theseus. I don't know what is wood and what is filler. <laughs> and um, that's great. I love the ship of Theseus. So that means you've got the stuff on your oh, hands and you're peeling yeah, it off. Yeah, so I'm peeling it off because um, because it's a bank holiday weekend and because I am middle-aged, I am doing the thing that probably the rest of the country is doing, which is DIY. Do you fancy yourself as a bit of a DIYer? No, I hate it. I hate it with a passion. And did you YouTube? Did you find get YouTube videos no, for? I don't need to YouTube things because uh, there is kind of like a genetic memory. The <laughs> reason I hate DIY with a passion is that my did it so my much. dad has turned. I think is the word flipping. Yeah, it's flipped lots of houses. He's bought, done them up, sold them, bought, done them up, sold them. Flipping and felt, is the verb. Yeah, yeah, it felt like. Most of my childhood was in, on a building site. The truth of the matter is it wasn't. But that's what it sort of felt like. So um, there are certain things that I don't need to YouTube because I just know how to do them because I've watched my dad do things. So you and I are won't a do DIYer as... no, in the sense no, no, that no, no, you no, no, know no. how. I am a bodger. I am good enough to get by and I know the principle of things. But a bodger, my... did you say? Yeah, yeah. I can do a bodge job. Yeah, you have something that's a bit shit. I can do an awful lot with polyfiller. 
I'm really, really good. Or for our American, North American audiences, spackle. Um, but I can, I can do a lot with polyfiller. So I'm not polyfillering today. I'm, I'm, I'm sorting out what, what? No, rot. Rotten wooden window frames in order that I can then fill them and paint them. Because and I'm painting. On the outside or the inside? Both. Both outside and inside. Oh, it sounds like quite a big job. Yeah, it's bigger than I anticipated, and I've taken a window out, as in totally removed <laughs> the frame and everything. Really? Uh, to, make the, yeah, to make my life a which bit easier. Win- which window? Because it's a little... I mean, here in London, it's freezing today. <laughs> Is there a bit of I've, air? Is there a bit of air going through the house I've, there? I've discovered that it's also quite chilly here as well. <laughs> Are you rugged up? Oh, I am. I've got quite a sweat on now because I've got so many layers on to try and keep warm. And poor Bob is currently putting low-tech masking tape around the uh, window frame so that we can do some painting later. She won't be able to feel her hands soon. (laughs) Oh, no. It sounds like a a total mess. Un casino, they say in Italian. Uh, What does that mean? It means a total mess. Oh, okay. Then it's... I mean... It's um, it's poorly timed. I'll give you that. Is this a good time to do this? Should we come back to? <laughs> no, I don't. Should we the have a little pause? Should we take a pause while you finish your your uh, your DIY? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll be pausing until bedtime if we were to. It's better that I. Uh, <laughs> I what I've done is I I've timed my day. I put my wood uh, my wet rot wood treatment on, knowing <laughs> that that takes two hours to dry. So I thought that's a nice window to do a podcast. Gotcha. Then I can come back, fill, sand paint and hopefully be able to have some windows closed and before you, bedtime do you have some fingerless gloves that you can um, wear while you're doing all that work no they don't work for me because i have raynodes you have what raynodes you know it's a it's a it's um it's a circulation issue raynodes R-A-Y-N-A-U-D-S. N-A-U-D-S. so if you google it you or duck duck go it oh, or God. A, a, please or, please or, cut that out Ooh, okay, if you duck, duck, go or ecosia it, you will see a picture of somebody's hands. And they're kind of like, you can see that the, the tops of the fingers go bright yellow. Well, or, or there's no blood in them. And I call it dead man's hands because I do look like a corpse. Or my fingers look like a corpse. Corpse hand. Are you, are you duck, duck, going right now? Oh, I sure am. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> It's not. It doesn't but, warrant three. But it's hours. fascinating when you're cold, anxious, or stressed. Your fingers and yeah. toes may change colour. Yeah, and they really do look a little bit like your. <laughs> they're dead. Yeah, they look like the hands <gasps> of a zombie corpse. fingers. Oh, yeah, so they, totally. when they go blue, that doesn't look good, though, does it? I, mine don't go blue. Mine go yellow. Mine go the colour of a corpse. It's absolutely delightful. I um, I had a strange experience this week. Oh. I was doing the dishes. That's not <laughs> that's not the strange experience. Who else would be preparing the food for the worms if it wasn't the dish doer? Yes, the dish doer. Um, ah, oh, English language is flexible, isn't it? Yeah, now I've got the word in my head, dish doula, <laughs> like you are somehow birthing their cleanliness. <laughs> I don't know how to tell the story. It's a little bit. I mean, it's a little bit, a bit strange. Um, but you know, Does it we cast look... you in a bad light. Uh possibly. Uh, oh, I don't cool. know. Actually, no, Just it cast, crack right on. It cast me in a light, put it that way. Okay. <laughs> Actually, it's got to do with light. Um, I, uh, so I was doing the dishes, and um, 
you, as you know, top floor flat. The kitchen mm-hmm. overlooks, or used to overlook a tree, which uh, previous in, listeners has been. Yeah, I was going to say, refer to previous episodes. It's been removed. So I have, let's say, backstage access to um, the backyards and extended backstage access to the backyards of the Ooh. people um, behind us, okay. including... A series of windows, a little bit. Okay. Yeah, a little bit like what's that name of that book? That beautiful book um, by the French author who wrote about. I think it's called Life: A User's Manual. Do you know the name of the author? I don't because I don't know the book. I just assumed we were going to immediately talk about Rear Window by uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Well, it's in the same vein, isn't it? Really, Um, uh, Georges Perec. Oh, okay, okay. I'm not sure if that's actually the book. It might be another one of his books, but it's certainly Georges Perec's book where it's basically a description of uh, apartments and people in their apartments. And it's a little bit like that. You know, these aren't apartments, though. They're, they're houses, but they're... Mm. And um, there was someone who was masturbating. Male or female? Male. Uh-huh. And uh, it's quite... It's interesting because it's quite clear. And it was hard not to watch while I was doing the dishes. <laughs> All of life's rich tapestry is represented in that statement, isn't it? It's hard not to watch somebody masturbating while I'm doing dishes. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I kept trying not to, yeah. and he was still going after I finished the dishes. And the only thought I had was that he must be a teenager because no adult would have quite as much time on their hands, as it were. To do what this young fellow was doing. Just so and that people can build a picture uh, before you carry on in their heads. How far away are you from the aforementioned window? Okay. I'm guessing 30 metres. Okay. Okay. It's, a, so it's in, actually quite hard to estimate that in my mind. Put it in football pitches for you because you know that would work for you. Or a tennis court. There you go. How many tennis courts away were you? Oh, actually, that's a good... So a tennis, a tennis, uh, a tennis court is... Ooh, that's me. Is it 78 feet, 72 feet long? Nobody cares. You just tell us how many tennis courts away I you were. I reckon it was about a tennis court away. Oh, only a tennis court away. Yeah, I reckon. Maybe a little further, mm. but, but not much further. Right. There was a point where I thought, just get a curtain. The weird thing is, of course, I can see his mother flipping around downstairs underneath him. But I I, I did think that he hadn't quite understood what happens when you have a light on and it's dark outside. I'm guessing. I didn't quite know what to do. Like, I didn't know where to look. Because it's not like I can do the dishes at another spot in the house. And it it wasn't, I wouldn't call it like, you know, must-see TV. But um, it was a little bit fascinating. I've never watched someone else masturbate. I have watched people masturbate. I feel quite squeamish, see? I'm a little bit... um... I've watched people masturbate in the context of performance art. But that's different. That is different from watching someone in a private situation. Isn't oh, it? I mean, oh, the performance yeah, right, act yeah. itself yeah. is a yeah. is a is a. How, so I, I did. I didn't. What yeah, did you I, do when when you finished washing? And presumably he was still. He was because, like I say, he, he was taking his time. I uh, then moved on to doing Italian grammar. Wow. Yeah. Okay. What do you think your responsibility is now in that situation? Well, the situation has passed. Oh. But you, you, you know, okay. You, so now. I don't think I have any responsibility whatsoever. I mean, there's no way, for example, I want to shame the dude by saying, hey, get some curtains, just to let you know, right? 
I mean, you could say that would be is to leave a little note to the boy who lives upstairs. Ain't going to go well, is it? I suppose that's that's the complexity that I'm thinking about. We're talking, you know, we've 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 circled around the idea of nascent sexuality in a variety of we ways are. over the conversations that we've had. Because I don't know if, you know, on one level, taking a step back and just sort of thinking about somebody listening to this, there's a part of me that goes, can we use this conversation at all? The the kind of the complexity of of, of what we're talking about here is something that everybody does. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's super, super natural. But then I also find myself kind of being caught in that moment of if this was a, a young adult in my care, yeah. would I want somebody to educate them in the importance of what, what responsibility do we have as elders in the community to say to somebody, mate, this is something that is great and lovely, but you need to get some curtains. Yeah. Or, is or that, even just you know, let you know that people can, you see can be you. Seen. I mean, there is a lot of people, there are a lot of houses on these two blocks of flats. Yeah. That's a lot of people who, even yeah. if it's just the top floor, the top two floors. Yeah. I reckon have, top two floors probably. Maybe that, maybe that, yeah, anyway, yeah. That's a lot of people. Yeah. It is interesting that idea of being in a moment where you capture somebody's private moment, which mm. is so intensely private, which at the same time is being broadcast. There are There's a couple who live across the road from me who's flat back onto the churchyard. And thankfully, I've never been able to work out which couple it is um, <laughs> because I never, ever, ever want to know. Because... In the summer, they leave their roof window open, which is why I can't work out which flat it's from. So it could be one of four or five. Right, is that one of those sort of um, angular... Yeah, yeah, one of those like um, sort of, I think, yeah, like a Velux kind of window. I'm sure they don't do this on purpose, but they seem to they seem to time their very noisy sex at the same time that Jeffrey needs to go for his late night shit. <laughs> which means that I am often standing in Maybe the churchyard. Oh, no. Listening. No. Talk no. about Pavlov's dogs gone wrong. <laughs> but Jeffrey is, um, he, he's a, a lovely guy. He's a very, very, uh, very friendly and, and helpful dog. But there will be some moments where he will just be going, oh, I think a cat's been over here. I'm just going to sniff. I'm like, could you just do your shit and we can go back home and, and I can get to bed? He's like, no, 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 no. I just need to check everything's okay before bedtime. So he can be out for like, five to ten minutes not really walking because we're not walking around he just wants to sniff yeah, his area of the church yeah 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 so i'm i'm you know covering maybe a 30 square foot area in minute detail which is underneath the window of these people who are having very very loud sex and you can only hear them i can only hear them but that already is such intimacy such a level yeah, of intimacy sure. that makes me go Oh, that is my discomfort. Yes, I think this is exactly what we're talking about. We're not talking about the act itself. We're, yeah. I, I'm actually, I'm actually talking about my discomfort yeah. with, and also the attraction of watching it. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make too much of that because I'm a fully grown adult and he's he's not. So there's already something a little bit, uh, a bit, a bit dirty old man as in the old parlance, you know. Ugh. When I'm standing underneath their window, I feel so uncomfortable now. I feel so uncomfortable now. I know that there is nothing for me to do about that discomfort. It's like, I'm not going to intervene into their pleasure. I'm not going to tell them to stop. I'm not going to go, Oi, I can hear you. It's like, well, don't fucking stand under my window would be the sensible response in that moment. Yeah. But there's nothing ocular 
to grasp onto. I don't know who this is connected to. It's just, a, you know, it's a soundscape. Yes. And so it's it's quite diffuse, even though it's present. And I don't know, you know. Yes, it's I, vague or it's exactly it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's abstract. That's a great word, Simon. It's it's abstracted from its originary source, and I can just kind of go, oh, okay, this is me feeling weird, and I'm feeling weird not because I'm hearing it, but what if somebody sees me hearing it? Yes. So you They'll become go, you become that, but the voyeur. Exactly. Exactly that. Whereas in this instance, there the because there is a level of display. That's I, su- I suppose why I'm asking questions about what's what is one's responsibility? Yeah. I mean, I could have just stopped, right? I could have just turned away and gone and done something else. I mean, I, in a way, that might have been... Like, I, I, I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to overstate my preoccupation with it because it wasn't like I was just staring. I was a little bit like... I was a little bit confused going, doesn't he realise? Isn't that obvious? That when you could... Like, and yeah. so clearly that's not obvious... Unless he is performing for all the flats. I think where maybe we are locked behind our age now. Uh I keep being reminded it's not a case of if they have a sex tape. It's a case of how many sex tapes they have and who has seen them. And this sense that their their sexuality is is a broadcast medium. I mean, literally. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, so the and, concept of privacy, your concept of privacy just does not apply. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast the other day where mm. somebody was saying, you know, if somebody sends you nudes, you shouldn't share them. And I was just finding myself going, who the fuck thinks they need to say that out loud? Don't share nudes that you're given. Like, what? You're saying nu- nudes, are you not I'm news? Saying, no, I'm saying nudes. Okay, nudes. thank you. Sorry, I'm saying nudes because I'm English. So I'm putting a, 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 a kind of a... I was, a just helping out our Antipodean listeners. Everyone shares news. What are you talking about? Naked photographs. <sighs> that is messy, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I guess I'm the thing that comes to mind, of course, is revenge porn. Oh, mate. And that is like, it's, yeah. And I think... Which is what's on, it's what we're, it's, it's where that's heading, isn't it? That's where, yeah, it's absolutely, that's where that's heading. And, and I think that's sort of what I was dancing around when I was saying that, you know, I, I remember, I think oh. it might have been Scarlett Johansson. That's had right, she some, had her iCloud account yeah. or was it or something or like that. Or was it Jennifer Lawrence? It was one of, it was one of those kinds of levels uh, of, yeah. of celebrity. Yeah. And they exactly that. They had the, their iCloud account hacked. And the number of and this this would be like four or five years ago now, maybe longer. But the number of press reports that kind of went along the lines of, well, she shouldn't really have nude photographs in there, should she? Yeah. So yeah. ultimately what we were hearing back was this idea of she was asking for it. It's a it's not even a it's not even a coded version of she was asking for it. It's just a stated version of she was asking for it because she had those photographs available. So, you know, if you don't want people to see your tits, don't take pictures of them. And you kind of think I fundamentally don't understand that as a standpoint. Don't wear yeah. that short skirt. Yeah. Don't take those photographs yeah, if you controlling, don't want people to see them. It's controlling people's lives because of what others might do to them. You know, we're, we're, we're kind of, I think this has been in the press a lot recently in relationship to the, the horrifying death of Sarah Everard in the sense that immediately after her disappearance, people were sort of posting how to stay safe yeah. advice. Yeah. And then very quickly, it's... Um, 
maybe the way we stay safe is by training men not to be predators. Yeah, let's, let's talk to men. But we just don't. We don't. We don't have that conversation. Oh well, let me let me ask that. Did you ever have that conversation aimed at you about no. how you should be? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, I I, I think I would. Um, oh gee, I don't think I. It's very hard to. I don't. I th- I think the norm when I was growing up was of an attitude towards women. If we're just talking solely about that. That was um, at best mocking and at worst uh, just utterly disrespectful. I think that was the, the the norm. Yeah, and I think those those norms um, infected me as they uh, um, very strongly, very very strongly, and so I don't think I I think that's a oh how do I. I've had to deprogram. I, yeah, yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. you know had to do a lot of kind of thinking and reflecting mm-hmm. on um, my behaviour as a young man, teenager, early twenties, mid twenties, um, and the assumptions I was making. In a, I'll use the word thoughtless because it it is that sort of sense where you <clears throat> not trying to deflect any blame here or take not take any responsibility but where effect, I'm effectively reflecting the culture that I was a part of there's no filtering of that culture through my own understanding and the conversations I was having they were all, it was it, it was it was pretty one way traffic i don't know if that's making making sense there yeah it does make sense i, I mean i'm I mean, I have no idea about in relation to other young men my age, but um, I do think that's changed a lot between then and now, but also I don't think it's changed at all at the same time. Mm. See, I don't think it's changed at all. Yeah, right. I, I think that we've we've got language to call out things. And I was having a conversation with a colleague the other week, and she used a phrase that I thought was really interesting because um, we were teaching we do some team teaching together over um, teams. <laughs> it was actually we were doing team teaching over teams, uh, and it was really nice. Um, and I use the phrase cancel culture. Mm. And I what is being... this mythical thing you're talking about? <laughs> well, what was really interesting is she picked me up on it, and I was so grateful that she did this in front of a room full of students or a teams meeting full of students she said i just want to call attention to your use of the term cancel culture i think that immediately places it in the negative and i'd like you to reflect perhaps using the term call out culture and i i sat with that and thought it was it was a really interesting nuance and the, her perspective was that the use of the term cancel culture is kind of media focused media driven the idea of the turning yeah. up the temperature of what is often not exclusively by any stretch of the imagination but what is often starts out as hey can we just stop and look at this for a minute now of course those moments become yeah or in relation to free speech yeah we understand that they can become weaponized it can escalate but if you immediately think of this as a cancel culture context you potentially stop the benefit of being able to say hey can we just pause and reflect on this for a minute Mm. See, I, don't, I think I, I think of calling out as being basically part of the same. That is, I know you don't know. I'm showing you the way things are. So there's a kind of schooling related to calling out. And so I think that what you just described is different from that, which is, well, hang on, 
I'm, you've confused me here because I think when I hear you say that, this is what I hear. Is that what you mean? That's, that's a very different thing from calling out someone, right? Where calling out is so much closer to the idea of cancel culture in my, in my experience or my understanding of it. Yeah, it is. It is. But I also, I, th- I think that, that, you know, that this was a, this is a, a um, an emerging academic who's younger than me, um, who is more internet literate than I am. She lives online in a completely different way than I do. Um, and I found it interesting because what she was talking about was experiencing casual misogyny. Mm. And I found that really interesting because I will regularly use the term casual sexism when I talk about, you know, people's behaviours. And to hear it turned up to misogyny was another moment of me going, I think that, I think that might actually be accurate. Mm. I think that might be reflecting what I'm seeing, mm. not sexism which is problematic, of course, but actually being rooted in a deep sense of hatred. Mm. Yeah, because I, I, that's, the, that's what's fascinating in a way, is it, for thinking about being a teenager. I think that culture that I was absorbing was, I think you could say it was about hatred of women, but that's not what I was absorbing, if you understand what I mean. I don't think, I don't think it was... You could definitely call it a misogynistic, a, a sort of a um, chronically misogynistic culture. This is growing up in New Zealand in the eighties, basically. Yeah. But that's there's no way that I would that my feeling of it was that there was something that it wasn't about hatred, which is curious, right? There's a discrepancy between I think the way the culture works. And what I thought was happening, I don't really understand what I'm kind of getting at there, except to say that I don't think I was hating women. And yet I was absorbed in and part of culture that I think was, um, uh, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe the question is, what is the, where is the line between casual sexism and casual misogyny? Is that the thing that we're talking about here? Or are we talking about the distinction between intention and reception? That what you intend, and I'm going to take it off you, Simon, because this is not uh, this is not sure. about you. This is sure. about this. You know, I, mean, I was just I'm, using that as an example. Yeah, no, I know, I, absolutely. But I'm, I, I'm going to back you, myself you, into a wall. But. <laughs> but you've also just like you know, you've reflected upon your experience of um, of being a young man in New Zealand in the 80s. So I can reflect on being a young man in the northwest of England in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, <laughs> Just to, to say, make, just to remind our listeners remind that you're a little bit younger than I am. <laughs> not much, but hey, in, I'm young enough to have not been given my COVID jab yet. You're old enough to have been given it. Thank you. you. You're over the COVID hill. Yeah, and far away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't think my actions were intended to communicate a hatred of women. But right. I absolutely believe that they were steeped in a generations deep anxiety about women. And mm. I know that there were things that I did that I didn't intend to be received in any any negative way. But I bet they were reflecting upon, you know, behaviors and things that I said and just ways that I was. And, you know, that level of Shock. entitlement no that I carried qu- with me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No question. No question. It's, it's hard. It's hard for me not to own the fact that the space between what I intended and what was received was probably miles wide. Yeah, yeah. 
But to go back to this idea of a call-out culture, there was absolutely no way that the young women that I was surrounded by had any... Means to do that. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's really... Oh, it's, um, so, but yes, I'm, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't... Also, it's not... I think that's that idea of the distinction or the, or the distance between uh, intent and reception is... I, again, I'm, I'm not trying to trivialise it at all because I, I'm really with you, but wow, is that complex. It's complex well, as an adult, but as a teenager yeah. trying to make sense of that, well, that's not what I meant. No, no. I didn't mean I'm, any harm by, you know, as we've talked yeah. about that before, those apologies. Sorry yeah. to anyone who was offended by my rampant misogyny. Which is why I think that idea of call-out culture, while I hear what you're saying about it being much closer to something that, that's, that's schooling, I do, I do find myself going... I think perhaps the schooling is necessary. As well, difficult and as uncomfortable and as perhaps um, <clears throat> just 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 awkward and sitting in, you know, experientially sure. in a way that we just don't enjoy. Yeah. I do find myself going, I wonder if it's just a really necessary moment of, of having, you know, having the reins pulled in. Yeah. Because we can say young women are trained to walk with one eye over their shoulder yeah. and young men aren't. Yeah. And that's because we're not teaching boys that they don't that they need to close their curtains. Something that someone wrote in which I Oh, it was about mortified. Uh, should we read that out? One? Yeah, do it. Just to fin- uh, this is from Emma. Hello, thanks hi, for your Emma. Th- uh, hi Emma. Hope you're listening still. Thanks for your podcast. You mentioned mortified. Mortified is commonly used in Ireland, especially the shortened version morto, morto. Usually in a Dublin accent. Can you do a Dublin accent? No. Oh come on, you can't. No, I really, I, I, I don't. I think I can do. Uh, I, uh, when you oh, see the word morto, M O R T O. I wouldn't. I wouldn't roll the R there. Ah, oh, morto. Yeah. Uh, because you're doing Italian. Yeah. Uh, I can't do a Dublin accent. I don't think I hang about. Um... It means dead, of course, in Italian. Yeah. Terred, terred, morto. Have, oh, no. have you tea? <laughs> <laughs> do you have tea? Oh, um, oh morto. <laughs> morto. <laughs> no, I can't. That's not morto. bad. <laughs> but quite, she says, she says, you awful. wouldn't say I'm mort- morto, but rather just morto. Yeah. Maybe you don't own it, but instead it's an ent- an entity that permeates your being. Isn't that cool? That's what it feels oh. like anyway. Or more often you'd say bleeding morto. Bleeding morto. You can also have it for others as in morto for her. Oh, which, she provides, like, which she provides a link, which will be in the show notes. That's nice. Can or, I give you? Can I give you a word that when I read that email, uh, it, um, it reminded me of something that that didn't occur to me when we were talking, um, because we were talking about mortified. Yeah, mortified. Yeah. But but the way the way Emma talks about it made me think of a very specific Cumbrian dialect word that I came across when I lived in Cumbria uh, when I was in my late teens. And the word is ladgeful. Ladgeful. Yeah, I guess you would spell it L-A-D-G-E-F-U-L, although oh, I've never seen it written down. Beautiful and it, word. it means to be, it, it means uh, so that something is embarrassing. So, you know, somebody, somebody would walk in uh, with toilet paper stuck to their shoe. Oh, ladgeful. 
And to Amazing. be embarrassed, you would be gay-ladged. You'd be what? Gay-ladged. Really? So gay, gay is Cumbrian dialect for very, and ladged as in the past tense of ladgeful. It's, it, it just it really struck me that like I, I can't say that anywhere except in a very specific part of the UK. Gay-ladged. Yeah, to have Amazing. anybody understand what it means. Amazing. And I've got um I've got a second year student um who's from who's from the same town that I lived in that I went from to school Cumbria. in Cumbria. Yeah, and she said something in a and she said something in a, a tutorial and I was just oh my god that is so lageful. And she just the 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 look of kind of shock, horror and, and pleasure then, and then pleasure that went across her face and she's like how do you how do you know what that means? Well, yeah. Nobody says that. I can't. I've had, and she's had to strip it out of her vocabulary because in university. Doesn't doesn't compute. Yeah. And she's like seventy miles away from where where she you know she goes to university about seventy miles away wow. from where she grew up. Uh, but the word just doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Amazing. So thanks, Emma. Thanks, Emma. Because it reminded me of Ladgeville and allowed me to make a, a second year laugh. 